Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching. Fashion trends. Pep talks where we give advice. Mental health moments. And games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com You are listening to the GAA Hour brought to you by Sports Joe and Shore. 72-hour non-stop protection. Tested to the limits. Sure, it won't let you down. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GAR, brought to you by Sure 72 Hour Protection. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Niall McIntyre, but I'm extra, extra delighted because Niall, I know I don't mention this a lot on the podcast, but I would be from Tyrone, big Tyrone fan. And I know I never bring it up, I, never, I don't like to bring, make the show about me, Lee Costello, but um, I'm <laughs> extra delighted because to my right is one of the greatest players to ever wear a Tyrone jersey, to ever play the game, Stevie O'Neill. How's it going? Not too bad, Lee. Great to be here. Excellent to have you. Genuinely buzzing here because Tyrone v Kerry, that's the draw, happened this morning. How do you feel about it? Hi, uh, I'm excited. Uh, looking forward to the game now next weekend and especially now Tyrone are starting to show that bit of form that, that, that makes them feared and uh, I think it's, it's going to be a massive, massive game. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, for some reason the green and gold of Kerry definitely seem to bring out the best in Tyrone. So it's good reason to get excited for that. Obviously, you know, there's maybe opposition out there that wouldn't pose the same threat as like a David Clifford, but you're thinking if every Toronto are going to get going, it might as well be against Kerry and in a quarterfinal. Yeah, listen, it's do or die now. And I think, you know, after the round robin games, you know, even the, the weekend's action was was so exciting and all the, all the games that we watched. And, uh, you know, Toronto and Kerry just it's turned into be one of those big rivalries. And uh, I'm sure the whole country's looking forward to, to, to seeing, seeing the match on Saturday or Sunday. That's it. Well, you say it's uh, turned into a big rivalry and a lot of that's your fault, to be fair. Um, 2003, 2005, 08, you know, those big games. Throne always seemed to come out on top of those games, but they were also always the underdog. Do you feel like a familiar sort of... Is there is there similarities not between now and then? I think there is, you know. I'm sure Kerry have a lot to prove and they'll be under a lot of pressure because of the game two years ago when, when Throne caught them in, in, in the semi-final. So... 
uh, I think Kerry's under a lot of pressure and, and, and they're going on as favourites they are in champions and they have an awful lot to lose and I, I feel thrown are coming in you know a lot of criticism from last year and even criticism this year but I, I feel that they've gradually just started to, to show form some of their key men are, are starting to get into the form that, that made them learn champions a few years back so I, I feel it just has, has all the ingredients just to be an, an amazing uh, festival of football and, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the likes of David Clifford, Sean O'Shea and uh, up against Dara Canavan, Darren McCurry. You know, you've, you've some of the best forwards and best defenders on, on show on both sides. No, definitely. There's a lot of promise in that game and we are going to get you to help us review the weekend past there. Some crazy results, crazy matches and talking points but we're going to talk a little about your career as well and just sort of starting out. But you're... Still kicking balls, still selling dummies? Well, still kicking a wee bit. I played a wee bit of reserves last year for the club and that, and uh, playing with over 40s and that sort of. So, listen, it's, it's, it's a bit of fun, training one or two nights a week and, and, and a wee game with the, every every couple of weeks. And uh, So it's just trying to keep the weight off as best I can. <laughs> Are you still able to sell, sell the dummies at this age? <laughs> In my head, <laughs> the legs aren't just working as quick as they used to. So, uh, no, listen, it's, it's it's about enjoyment and 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 and, and but a camaraderie. Like you, you're you're playing with some of the boys that I played with the, uh, twenty years ago, and playing with a lot of good club players that that I would have played against. So it's nice to to meet them lads and, and establish a good relationship with them too. With over forties, yeah. Just on that, you're talking about the over forties. That's the Tyrone Masters the county level for the over forty players. Who else involved with the Tyrone team at the minute that we would know about? We Connor Garvey obviously you know if Kieran Gurley would have played a wee bit Owen Bradley who would have played in the Tyrone team around 05 uh, just trying to think now yeah it was Cormac McAnallan's brother Donald would be mm-hmm. there um, just trying to think other Sean players that, you know Sean, uh, Sean yeah, obviously this one. year <laughs> Sean's a big addition this year but there's a lot of boys that, that uh, would have played in the Tyrone panel Murray Penrose now is the age but he's still playing club football yeah, Mark Donnelly still playing there and we're trying to get them boys out but we, we have no no joy yet big Joe McMahon we're trying to get him out but I suppose he's busy now with the coaching the senior team so it's, it's hard for him to get get out Would it be laid back Stephen or do you, do you take it like do you train hard at? Oh listen no, it's laid back and it's enjoyable you know you, you train us one night a week up in Gervahe on a Wednesday night and you know training's tough uh, it, it's, you, you worked hard the, the Leonard's definitely you know put you through your paces but it's enjoyable it's a kickabout and you know I don't think anybody takes it too serious at, at, at that stage, at that age, at age. Yeah, I mean, like you <laughs> sort of talked about players coming out or, or, or they haven't retired yet, and you'd be sort of a man for coming out of retirement a couple of times now. But uh, <laughs> back in 2008, you were only 28 years old and you retired from the, the county setup at least because of injury. So it's sort of mad to think now, you know, in, in your 40s that you're able to play. Like, how, how did you overcome those injuries? What was it in 2008 that was wrong? I had a lot of problems in 2006 and seven with, with knee issues. Um, I had tendonitis in my knee, and it was just it was nothing I was doing was getting uh, getting to the better of it. Uh, I was doing everything. Louis O'Connor, physio at the time, had me doing lots of different stuff, ice baths. There was blood injections, trying to get it, to get it repaired, but I was getting no joy with it. You know, the pain just was was serious, and it was shutting down the pain. It was shutting down then the muscles that on my uh, on my quad and that. And I was getting no power, and you know, even left my leg into my be- in the bed, like I had just no power, just to do certain wee simple movements. Driving was an issue, and I just felt that I was doing myself no good and the team no good, and I got a bit fed up with with, with the injury. Uh, so I retired in 2008, the end of 2007, 2008. I told Mickey that, that, that I had enough and I, I couldn't go on, and 
it was sitting at home trying to play with club at a club football net and it was it wasn't going well either. I couldn't get get moving, so I just started cycling. And through just cycling it just helped strengthen up the leg and, and, and got me got me back playing again and that's that's basically it. Like and I kept at the cycling then whenever I was even after a wait, uh, all the way through until I'd retired in 2014, I just kept it up because it just helped keep the, the knees strong and the muscles around the, the quads and that's strong and that's mm-hmm. that's what got me playing again. So that, that, that got you back into club football at least, but then your form must have been particularly brilliant uh, because Jerome were going so well, Got obviously famously it got all the way to an All-Ireland final and they were still looking you back. Like How, how did that manifest itself? I um, well, I just started playing. Whenever I got the the, the knee back, and I'd, I'd been, I was cycling for three or four months, and I, w- I started then getting back into playing for the club, and that it, 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 I started playing well, obviously, and and uh, there was a few people that would have came down to club training to, to to see if I would entice. Mickey came down one time to, to to where I was working at the time in Gorchin and, and and spoke to me about it, and I just felt at the time it you know it was a bit too late, and I wasn't just sure if I, you know the injury was a hundred percent healed up, and I, I was only back playing. At that stage, Brian Quinn from Rockwell came down. Francie Martin from Carrigmore came down, and and Francie had actually asked me to, to go up and speak to Mickey, and uh, he wouldn't leave the bloody house until <laughs> I'd agreed to go and speak to him. So I went and I met Mickey and Tony and Fergal, and they he says I said look I'll definitely come back next year, can't come back this year. It's an iron final, and just be too upsetting for maybe the players and things like that. And they says, well, leave it, leave it with the players to choice. And I says, oh, that's fair enough then. So the players, they had a meeting then on the Wednesday night and they decided then that they were happy for me to return. And that was basically it. Yeah. Um, looking back on it, I probably shouldn't have because if the result hadn't went their way, uh, I'd have been <laughs> a complete scapegoat and been a, a disaster. So, But listen, luckily it, the result went their way and that's it. But in that way, you maybe took the pressure off some of the players, you know, and they could just focus on... I will. Well, the funny end, uh, McGinley would have often said that whenever we'd be very friendly, and uh, he had said that you know it was great because even I think Paul Galvin had issues with the, the referee in one of the earlier games that year, and uh, he slapped the book out of the hand. He slapped the book out yeah. of the hand, and he was only back then from his suspension for that game, and and then I suppose then the whole focus was on me returning and him returning, uh-huh. and uh, it it says it, it was great for us because it took the pressure off us. We just focused on our football and our training and. That was basically it. Yeah, and it was—is it true that was it Owen Mulligan <coughs> stood up and said something about getting you back in particular? Aye, well, listen, I wasn't part of that meeting. I don't know what went on, uh, but I heard Muggsy had, had stood up and 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 and, uh, and said, "Look, Stevie's one of us," and I suppose Owen and me played f- minor football from '97, and uh, he 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 stood up and he said, "Look, lads, we you know this is mm-hmm. about the, the team won him, and that was basically it." and uh, I think Owen would know me. I wouldn't be back just for my own sake. Yeah. Uh, if, I, if I was fit and able to be there, I would have been there. But uh, that was that was I think went on at the meeting. Yeah, um, it's particularly powerful that because actually I think people sort of forget that year Owen wasn't starting. Do you know? And if you were coming back, then obviously that's another competition. You know, probably less game time for him. And it actually did prove out to be that way. But that says a lot about his mentality in terms of team. First, I will listen. I, I can safely say any of them boys that I would have played with from minors all the way through and under twenties and that, that 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 was the, the, the thinking. There was nobody. There was no egos. There were, everybody was there for the good of the team and and the, and the true own cause. And you know, I I honestly can look back at those times and says there was there was no boys that were just all on it for themselves. Mm-hmm. There, you know, there were there were and so and some of them were the best players I've ever seen play the game. 
and they were just great lads, great teammates, and and brilliant footballers. And uh, all it was was about getting the result at the end of the day. I just remember I was on the bus on the way to school. <laughs> uh, God, I must have been about fifteen, and I went to an integrated school, so not everyone in that school was particularly engrossed in the GAA or mm-hmm. understood what happened. But I sat next to a fella and he knew nothing about the sport. He knew I was crazy about it. And he was like, do you see this big player's coming back for throne for the final? A forward, he scores all the time or something. And he's like, who, who? And he's like, I don't know, he's a legend though. I can't remember his name. And I got off the bus and I was like, I can't believe Peter Canavan's coming back for this final. <laughs> <laughs> but I was still delighted when I heard it was you and yeah. delighted in how uh, things turned out. But um, we'll move on now because Jerome uh, beat Donegal and it's a big, big rivalry now. Um, maybe not as intense this time around in, in, <laughs> than in previous years? Probably not, I suppose. Yeah, Donegal have probably, do you know, they've had a very stop start year and I suppose it was kind of, it, it ended as the year had gone today with the news that Aidan O'Rourke has stepped down as the Donegal manager. So, um, do you know, it's just been a very uh, topsy-turvy sort of a year for Donegal. It never really got going for them. And while that rivalry is huge, um, Coming into the game, I, I always had the belief that Tyrone would pull it out. And um, I suppose we've we seen a lot of teams last week. Mayo struggled against Cork. Galway struggled. And Tyrone struggled against Westmead, very surprisingly. Um, but I suppose like it affected Mayo um, on Sunday, it, it gave Tyrone, I suppose, a little push that they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I suppose that every, everyone would agree that looking at that game on Saturday, that was that was Tyrone's best performance of the year yeah. um, all over the field, but especially in the attacking positions, the two Canavans, Matty Donnelly. I'm sure we're going to talk about them all, but um, Tyrone, a, a lot of people talk about them kind of waiting in the long grass and they pounce and they, they seem to be coming with a, with a run at, at the right time now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was definitely their, their best performance of the year so far. Yeah, it definitely was. It was a performance overall because there have been flashes of brilliance but they've been sort of I don't know you know th- it didn't seem to get 70 minutes in them but on, on Saturday they seem to rectify that Stephen yeah definitely they get you know right from the first throw in uh, the, 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 everybody was at it uh, you know you've you, you seen the intensity that, that Rory Canavan and Derek Canavan brought to the, the, their tackling and the forward line and, and it just reminded you nearly of the throwing team of old where they were just so aggressive and so in Donegal's face they had no time in the ball there, was, there were periods of that first half where Donegal could even get out of their own half uh, so, such was, was the tackling and ferocity of it so no throwing were, throwing were on the money, and you know, for the first time probably in two years, they they they, they give seventy minutes where they were controlled the game, uh, and and they were brilliant going forward. Um, some of their play, like they can play high ball and they can play low ball and they have runners, and and uh, it was it was a very very impressive performance. And when you go to Balbuffet, it's you know when you can't at home, it's a it's a big result. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was joking earlier that I thought Peter Canavan was coming back, but in some ways, you know, ten, over ten years down the line, we've got two Canavans now. <laughs> you know, we're spoiled for choice. They're unbelievable. They, they are. Uh, you know, you, you've seen and heard so much about them on underage circles around Tyrone, and and you've seen glimpses of of some of the stuff that they could do. You know, but. They, they do the basics so well, and then they have them in, in their locker. Then the, the, the genius moments where you know the Derek Anvins point the left foot, where he came in off the sideline, it, it was just brilliant and uh, great to watch. And whenever you have players like that there, 
you know, suddenly you run out of man markers that can can handle th th those players, and it puts a lot of pressure on on defenders trying to get you know a two v one opportunity to get to get the tackle on because you don't want to leave any man isolated with that type of pace and directness that that uh, those boys possess. Mm -hmm. Okay, you you obviously played with the father, and you mentioned that point there from the sideline, and just. Even just their movement, the jinkiness, the, the low centre of gravity, the way they bounce and turn. Like, do you see, you know, like similarities there? Oh, you definitely see similarities. You know, you know, the three cannons aren't blessed with height, but, you know, what, with everything else, they have everything else they're blessed with. Everything else, the pace, the power, the balance. You know, I think Derek Hammond got a point one time where he, in the first half where he, he sort of was running, he slowed down and he just went again and, and left Jamie Brennan, somebody who's very quick as well, just sitting and tapped it over the bar. And, you know, Tron are blessed to have have that type of forward power, along with Darren McCurry and Matty Donnelly playing playing some brilliant football again this year. Uh, you know, it, it, it asks a lot of questions of, of the opposition defence, and I'm sure Jack O'Connor and Paddy Talley and the boys down in Kerry will will definitely be concerned about having the the, the backup to to deal with all that. Absolutely, and I'll, I'll go to Nile in this because there might arguably be a Tyrone bias here with us too. So you can tell us yourself. Uh, Derek Yanovan, like how, how highly do you rank him just from a neutral? Well, I suppose last year everyone was talking about David Clifford and um, Shane Walsh has been like, the, these are the, the top forwards in the game and these are the two best lads. But looking at this year, like you'd have to say that Derek Yanovan, with the consistency that he's brought um, and, you know, how just how amazing it is to watch as well, similar to to Shane Walsh in that All-Ireland final. Like, Derek Hanavan is doing this. He's done it most days this year, and it's been the most consistent that we've seen him. Um, Stephen mentioned earlier the kind of extra bite and from the forwards and the extra, you know, the boys are putting in this, no defender is going to get out easy. And I suppose you can see that particularly in, in Dara and seeing it last week against Westmead. We were talking about him getting stuck into to Kevin Maguire. Um, he, he kind of looks like a new man this year in, in that sense, Stevie. They do, and and one thing that I enjoy watching, you know, they're playing with a smile on their face. Mm -hmm. You know, they miss yeah. a shot, they're just smiling. You can see some boys giving them a wee bit of jip on the way out, and it doesn't even phase them. You know, that was they the just Mac know. Yeah. one at the start, yeah. 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 and it doesn't phase them. And, and really finds it hilarious. Like he's yeah, properly in stitches. Smiling, he says, because you know they they have that confidence that they know that the nine times out of ten will go for the bar, and 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 they, they, you can see the hunger and desire they want to get the next ball to get to get the shot away. So it's great to see that there there's boys playing with a smile on their face, and and and. You know, it reminds you a wee bit of Ronaldinho maybe whenever he was playing. They always mm -hmm. said about him and he, the flashes of genius that he would have had in soccer and that. And, you know, to me, watching them two boys, they, they, they can do the unexpected. And that's what, you know, as soon as they get that ball, you can see the crowd getting on edge because they know that they're, they're, they're going to have a cut and take their man on and, and produce something. Would Peter have been the same way, kind of playing with the, the smile on his face that way? No, he was just aggressive and angry yeah. all the time. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think... Because even... That is probably a difference, Dara. Like, you know, he swings the arm in the air and he goes to the crowd and he gives mm -hmm. it a big cheer. Like, you wouldn't really have seen too much of that from Peter. Even when he scored that goal in the All-Ireland Final, it was just a little finger in the, the air. Finger in the you air, know, uh, very noble. Uh, uh, I know, listen, you know... Uh, Peter, you know, it's the same type of player, just that you know, he could do the, f the flashes of brilliance and he was just so calm under pressure, so... Listen, the way people celebrate and the way they go on the pitch, it's, it's, it's up to them. Like, But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think the, the way they're carrying themselves at the minute, it, it's great to watch and, and they're, they're role models for any young forward growing up, you know, to, to play with a smile on your face. But bring bring the stuff that every coach and every team wants, the tackling, the intensity and showing for the ball and taking men on. And, and I just think they're, they're, they're great role models. And 
you know, we have, we have a few of them on display this weekend. Mm-hmm. And, and just with Dara, because the kind of form that he's in, you know, he sort of looks like he can't miss. He wants to take every man on. He's got literally no fear. He's just in that, what they call it, flow state. But um, you were in a similar reign of form in, in 2005. You know, you were just unstoppable that year. You got player of the year, scored 10 points off France. You value probably the most feared fullback there is in it. What's it like to be in that zone? You know, that like, I, I just feel like I can beat anyone here today and there's no one in the country that can stop me. And I know you're going to take a real modest approach here now, but that is what you were doing and that's what Darry Canavan's doing now. How, how does that feel going into games? It's the best feeling in the world. You don't want the game to end. You want to keep going and going and you're nearly disappointed when the final whistle comes because you just want to get on the ball so many times because you, you feel you can you can do things and you can you can do, do things for the benefit of the team. So... I, I would say he that you know the way the games are now and they're coming every week you know and you know if they're not picking up injuries they just want that more game time and and you know you feed off that buzz from the crowd and the noise and it's it's just the best feeling in the world and uh, I, you know I, I'm sure them boys are, are really looking forward to getting the Croke Park as are the Kerry lads that that that, that will pose that, that their biggest challenge this year. I'm glad you say Croke Park because it'll be interesting to see like a Rory Canavan in there because because he's so unorthodox and he's still got that courage and you know the the ignorance of youth kind of thing you know like you've seen his dummy and mm-hmm. just in the opening minutes around the keeper i so wish that goal ladder went in but then two minutes later he sticks it into the back of the net i just think with the wide space of crow park and the crowd <coughs> and the atmosphere it's all set up for him i know i'm just putting pressure on them now but like it's just set up so brilliantly i'm just super excited <laughs> no listen i think everybody is excited about it uh you know crow park is the place where you want to be and if you you know for for all good players if you can't play in Crow Park, you know you're not at that top level, and those boys are at that top level. You know the bounce, of the ball, the speed of the game, just everything increases in Crow Park. You have the wide open spaces, and it's where all the it's the only place you want to be. And you know if every game was in Crow Park, every player in the country would be happy to drive down and and, and travel there every weekend. You know, so it'll be good to see it. Uh, you know. Uh, I, I think we should be heaping a wee bit more pressure in Kerry now. Right. They have a lot. Uh, they are the All-Ireland champions. All-Ireland champions, yeah. an awful lot to lose. You know, uh, Thrones just going down there to make up the numbers and, and try their best. But of course. Uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to the game and, and, and to see Rory Canavan, David Clifford, Sean O'Shea, see these players playing. It, it's 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 going to be a great weekend. Absolutely. And then another player who has been shining the light for Tyrone up front for so many years is, is Dar McCurry. Um, and it sort of feels like the attention isn't on him anymore. You know, Dar Canavan's taken on that mantle <coughs> a little bit more, but not exactly someone you can just leave on mark now. No, and um, does, do, you can't leave any Tyrone forwards unmarked, really, the way they're going at the minute. Like, you have the two Canavans, you have McCurry, you have Matty Donnelly there. You have so many lads who are, you know, if you give them any space whatsoever, that these boys are going to punish you. Mm. So I suppose that's the worry for, for Kerry coming into the game. And it was something that Donegal just couldn't cope with at the weekend, that there was bullets coming from all angles. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's obviously a huge positive for, for Tyrone people. And, um, you know, uh, you have backs coming up scoring as well. Conor Myler can score. Michael McKernan kicked a score too at the weekend. So... Um, you know, um, there's a great attack and threat there, yeah. and it's going to take a, a great like defensive performance to to keep them all out. And I suppose Kerry have been a little bit open at times this year, so so Tyrone will definitely test every every last bit of that next weekend. I will be worried about um, Paddy Talley. He's in Kerry, like you know, no one will know Tyrone better than him. 
no one will know more about how we would try try to set up in Kerry. I've never, for all the times that like Throne have managed to sort of ambush Kerry, and like, let's make no secret about it. Like, Kerry are obviously the favourites going into this game. They are the All Ireland champions. And if you could David Clifford, you're just automatically a favourite. But this time they have a Throne man on board, you know, and it'll just be that little bit harder. What what does Paddy Talley bring to Kerry? Well, I was fortunate enough to, to have Paddy coaching me back in 2003, and, you know, he, he's a top class coach, and, you know, he's just a lovely fella. He's just a complete gentleman, uh, and uh, he he will bring that in-depth knowledge. He will have worked with a lot of those boys too, even at St Mary's and uh, and seen them at university. So he'll have in-depth knowledge. But listen, he go to that level of the game. You know, mm. Throne will have their work done in Kerry. Everybody knows Kerry. Everybody knows Dublin. You you know all those top teams, the Galways, the Mayo's, the Roscommons. Every team now has so much data and and statistics on on, on players that you know what you're going to face, you know what foot they prefer with, you know the patterns of play that they, they, they want to be doing in, in games, and, and each team now is trying to, to stop that and disrupt that. So, listen, having that inside knowledge is grand. Uh, you, you still depend on the players to go out on the pitch and, and put in place the, the, the game plan and, and things like that. And obviously, you know, whenever you're playing against a good opposition, they're, they're going to try and disrupt that. So it'll, it'll all come down to, you know, who wants it the most? Who doesn't make the mistakes? And and who who expresses himself best? Maybe at the weekend. And uh, Paddy will have his knowledge. But you know, you look at, at Brian and Fergal. They have a great backroom team there. They'll have their homework done on those Kerry lads uh, as as much as what Kerry will have done on Tyrone. Mm-hmm. And then just last thing on Tyrone. We me and I were talking there about Dar McCray. I always remember the 2013 season. Uh, you were captain that year. Sort of the focal point up front. And then you Darren McCray, he's like the youngster, he's only 19, 20, something like that. Um, but he was shooting the lights out that year as well, and we mm-hmm. all really expecting this long and successful career. And it has panned out that way, maybe not as straightforward as you would have thought back then. But what was he like back then? And did you know that he was always going to be the player that he became? Yeah, I can remember the first time Darren came into the, the panel, you know, you know, the different stages, Mickey would have brought in different players, you know, just to follow out maybe teams and training games and, and even just to have a look at lads up against... The, 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 the county lads and, and I remember his first turn session in, in uh, Clogher and he, he was marking Conor Gormley so that was a baptism of fire for him <laughs> and he finished with about 1-5 <laughs> so he did <laughs> so as soon as that happened everybody you know Conor was our best man marker by a mile for so many years and uh, once that happened we you know you, you suddenly said Jesus boy can play and, and you know he's gone on to done, do greater things and, and he's just a great lad Brilliant fella around the dressing room. You know, he's full of bubbliness and confidence and uh, confidence in a nice way. And, you know, he can take a joke and he can give it. And he's just a great lad. And and we never had any doubt that he was going to be on to be one of the, one of the top forwards in Ireland and, and to ever represent Throne. And, and he's shown that. You know, I think he's a great role model for any youngster. He always will be practising right, left, foot. He, you know, and, and he, he takes pride in his game. And... And on his fitness work, you know, he's, he's, he's constantly at the top of some of the fitness tests or most of the fitness tests that the drone boys would be doing. So he's just a great role model, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke and, and, and just a real example for, for any young f- footballer. No, he, he definitely is. Um, we'll take a quick break now to look at the Sure No Sweat quiz. In partnership with our friends at Sure, the official statistic partners of the GAA, we're now going to look at the most eye-catching stats from the championship weekend. Last week we asked you which manager was the longest servant at inter-county level. Sean Holland got the correct answer, which was of course Kieran McGinney in Armagh. Now looking at last weekend where Meath and Down both booked their place in the Telchian Cup final, 
we want to know when was the last time these two teams met in the All-Ireland Final. So now it's up to you, our audience, to give us the answers of the stat-related question on our social media to be in with a chance to win in some sure theme prize. Prizes will be announced on the show next week. Good luck. Okay, welcome back. We're firmly going to put the Tyrone hype to bed now. I maybe overdid it there a little bit. I'm actually nervous. We, we got excited. <laughs> yeah, we definitely <laughs> did. You should have. I shouldn't have had coffee or anything this morning. I'm going to be all over the Kerry dressing room walls. Um, but the big game of the weekend was definitely Galway Mayo. Niall, I mean, Galway are out of the championship. But it's so strange to think. I was thinking about it all week. Just uh, the last few weeks, you've just been thinking Mayo when they beat Kerry early on. Galway, they started so well all year. That game, um, losing to Armagh was their first loss all year. Um, well, uh, apart from the, the Mayo League League final loss. Um, and you just think Galway, they haven't been in the final last year. You think Galway are, you know, they're building and they're coming again. And it was just unbelievable to think that they're going to be knocked out before the, the quarterfinals, one of these teams. Um, but Mayo... You know, they were, they've done it now, and I couldn't believe this stat this morning that it's the fourth time in the last five years that they've knocked Galway out of the championship. Um, Mayo, got, I suppose, what it boils down to is that Galway, when they had the win in the first half, they missed too many chances, and they missed Shane Walsh, missed three, three frees, one from play. Paul Conroy had a few wides, they hit some bad wides, and Mayo, they had them level within what. 10 minutes of the, of the second half starting. And I suppose then Mayo had, had the work done at that stage. We saw how strong the, the wind was in that second half. It was a complete gale and nobody could really shoot into it. You had to get very close, nearly inside the 21 to score. Um, so Mayo were in control for the last 25 minutes of that game. And while it was only a, a one-point um, defeat, you know it would have taken something special for Galway to, to get that point uh, late on. So uh, brilliant performance for Mayo. No, it is, yeah, and it's it's all the more special because of the way they managed to come back because they were really disappointing in the first half. Galway were completely in control. They were, um, you know, I felt that the Galway should have probably won the game or been the game should have nearly been out of sight at halftime if they'd have taken those chances. Uh, I felt that Comer going off too at halftime was a massive blow because he's such a focal point for them. You know, his power, his pace and his strength, you know, you miss a player like that, you know, and, and he's one of the big leaders for Galway, so... Fair play to Mayo. They looked dead and buried for for periods of that first half. They were just you know all over the shop. But uh, you know their their main man stood up. I thought Paddy Durkin was was super. He had a great point, and even his tackle back in Tierney, the time Tierney was running through, and you know the, the ground that he covered up, like he just played a real captain's part. And uh, you know even the changes, young Conroy coming on made a difference with the pace and power that he has. And it was it was a good second half from Mayo, and and you know. The dubs will just be a wee bit wary of, the, of them, you know, especially the, the, the rivalry they've established over the years. Um, you mentioned Conroy there starting instead of, uh, is it James Carr? I think it was draft for him. Um, he's, he's sort of been like a super sub all season and he's coming on and he, and he is making things happen. But the problem nearly there is then you're, if you do really well, I'll get a starting place. But actually the manager thinks, oh, he's brilliant to bring on. Do you know, and he sort of get caught between these two places, but he finally did get his start, and you know he probably justified that that decision in the end. Have you ever been in that situation where you're sort of stuck between that super sub role or trying to break in? I listen. It's I think especially in the the, the modern game anyway, and and uh, at, at under county level, you need to have two or three men that can that can be brought on that can change the the flow of the game. Uh, and and push on the rest of the team, you know, because you you know you can't rest in your laurels and you have that type of quality sitting on the bench. So, uh, 
I was in that position myself. It's not a nice position to be in where you, you, you're viewed as coming on to change the game, but it's a, it's an awfully important role. You, you think of Cahill McShane there a few years ago whenever he was coming on for Tyrone, and, and you know what a nightmare to be coming on 50 minutes into a game where you know, you're tired, the fullback's tired, and you've somebody coming on, chomping at the butt to get the, get on the ball and to, to, to attack you. So it, it's definitely a key role in the, in the modern game, and I think uh, you know the, the team with the strongest bench will will be one of the favourites for for the All Ireland. And you look at Dublin whenever they so many of their great players had retired and finished, they, they struggled on the bench. And and even thrown last year, they, a lot of boys had, had stepped away, and that quality just wasn't <laughs> wasn't the same. So it, it's good for me to have that type of competition. I think. Yeah, they definitely have the depth, and, and Kevin McStay is really keen to use it. He made four changes and. He said that none of them were to do with injuries, but I mean it's hard to tell really. I was I was particularly surprised now that Matthew Ryan was dropped, and then I was really really surprised that he wasn't brought on at halftime because they'd hardly won any of their own kickouts. I think Galway won nine of Mayo's kickouts, something crazy like that. You know they looked very um, lacking in the skies, and it's, that's his strength, surely. You know. Yeah, Matt Ryan has been he's been the key man. Sure, wasn't he a, a Footballer of the Year nominee there two years mm-hmm. ago? Um, and you know he's he's had a good start to the year this year. I suppose, God knows why he wasn't starting. Maybe there was something like an illness. I know Parker Hora was out um, with an illness. Kevin McStay said that after the game. Um, but in fairness to Mayo, they you know they were well able to they were well able to do it without him. And you, you couldn't criticize any of the tactics that they had. Um, yesterday, Dermot O'Connor was was in midfield yesterday, and, and what a performance as! And I'd often be raving about this man, just that the the work rate that he has, the fitness that he has above all else, he just never ever stops. And I think yesterday was nearly the best example of that that you, you'd you'd ever see from 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 Dermot O'Connor because he was just everywhere, mm-hmm. all over the field. He was there was one stage I think it was the start of the second half. He wins a ball down at his own backline, and he's the one then giving the final pass for the score. Um, Lee Keegan said afterwards that this man is the ultimate teammate. He'd do anything for you on the pitch, and you know you can you can see that from him. And I suppose that was the that was the kind of spirit that that won it for Mayo. You know, driving forward when they when they got these breaks, um, and I suppose as as well as that, like we were talking with the loss of Lee Keegan, with the loss of Oshin Mullen, you think Mayo are losing this threat from deep and then David mm-hmm. McBride pops yeah. up with that goal. Um, Kevin McSay said after that he, he'd been telling them all year that I knew you have this in you, David. Yeah. Uh, I don't think too many others had seen it, but uh, it was it was brilliant from him and just shows that that Mayo, you know, that Mayo kind of drive from the back, they still have it. It's just in their DNA, isn't it? But it, it, it really was some finish, Stephen. Like it was a, he gave him the A's and everything. Aye, it, w- it was a class move. So those, you know, just the, the, the wee one-two and I'm surprised how many times them, them type of wee moves are on and and Mayo t- took it to their full advantage. Uh, but no, it was a great finish, eh? Because once you're going through at that pace to have the calmness to, to give the A's and, and, and to send the keeper the wrong way, it, it it is a high a high skill level sort of so uh, um you know Kevin McStay says he has it on him <laughs> he'll be looking at more of it now so he will yeah absolutely the 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 standard is set um Matthew Tierney was through in a very similar situation probably actually an easier chance in in some regards now you're hearing people saying you should have took it around him maybe it was an option obviously it's all in real time and it's a lot faster than that but I want to know is that. Maybe I just watch too much soccer, but is is the the little chip when you're going a pace and the goalkeeper's coming out of you? Is that not a viable option? It is, but you miss it. Ah, uh, yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. the worst in the world. You're, yeah. you're the worst in the world, and like as as I said, there is a wild skill level to have. You know, you just nearly nearly need to have that killer instinct, and uh, 
you know, as a forward going through, you, you know, you're under serious pressure with a defender. Maybe you can even feel him coming and you can feel him tugging at your jersey and your, your initial reaction is just get the shot away quick in case you get blocked down. And, and I suppose, looking back on it, uh, you know, Tierney had maybe the chance to, to bounce it or to, to, to take it around the keeper because the keeper went down a wee bit early. So, Listen, it's split-second decisions, and it, it's it's definitely not an easy place to to to, to get a chance in. Um, but you know, your your top forwards would it's it's a skill that should be should be practiced, and um, it's definitely it's definitely a, a tough one to do, to do whenever you you only have that split second to make up your mind. Yeah, and listen, I mean, you've got so many famous shots. You were telling me earlier that you're not on social media, and I say it's funny because you're all over social media. There's so many clips of you. Most famously, that one in Kildare with the dummy. But uh, is there any moments like that that haunt you? You know, where it's like I definitely should have done better or, or got that shot uh, away. No, you you, re- you remember your uh, your mistakes more than your the good things that you did. And uh, oh, there's definitely things that you regret. And you look back and you think, "Geez, why did I do that? Or why did I not just <laughs> calm down and then do something else?" But listen. It's, it's like anything, you make a mistake, you have to live with it and, and get on with it and get 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 the next ball. And, and I, I suppose it alluded to the Canavans there, playing with a smile on your face. And for any young player, forget about a mistake, just get the next ball. And, and that's what you, you we'd be telling our, our own young ones that are we're coaching at home. Is mm. the taking around the keeper, is it particularly difficult finish to kind of, like when it is in such a tight moment and such a split second, it does seem a very difficult skill to execute. Like you could just, confuse yourself a bit like even Owen McLaughlin mm. did the time the goal was disallowed I know he wasn't taking around the goalie but he just kind of lost his foot little, and yeah. like it, it's, it's it's definitely a, it's a tough skill so it is and it, I suppose it depends on the keeper too because obviously if the keeper stands up big and doesn't commit and really make, puts the pressure on you then to decide right are you shooting or are you taking him on and uh, it, it's, I think that can affect it uh, so it does you know but it, it's it's a tough skill. There, there are certain players that are good at it. I, I found shooting for goals, I was never great at it. And there were many times I was through, uh, maybe it was on the 14-yard line, and uh, I just drove the ball. And I should have been better maybe placing it or taking it around the keeper. And uh, it's it's a skill that I never had. You know, you look at uh, Muggsy was brilliant at it. Like he mm-hmm. would have sold a wee dummy and always very, very calm. You know, you look at Rory Canavan's the, the wee dummy he sold with three men around him and, and it nearly came off for him. So there's certain players who have that killer instinct. Uh, it's something that I definitely didn't have. <laughs> I think you did all right. Um, taking it around the keeper, sorry, just because it sort of dawned on me as well. I think people are like, you should have just took it around and, and it's as simple as that. And I think they're thinking nearly like in soccer terms, that's the keeper beat and it's an open net. But if the defenders are chasing you down at speed, they're just going to fill that net, mm-hmm. you know. So you've no sooner took it around the keeper. Now they're the keeper, and it's Gaelic football. Everyone can use their hands, you know. So I just don't know if it's as if it was as obvious as, as people are maybe making it out to be. Like it was, uh, I, I, I was the one that said it was probably an easier chance, but it was pretty tough. Uh, no, it, it, the, the key is the defenders, you know, uh, coming at you. You know, whenever you know that they're chasing you and they're coming, you know, you only have that split second. You know, whereas is the, the the Mayo goal, you know. Full back just drove through and probably knew that he had that wee bit time. of space and time, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas a, as a forward, you're 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 marked that wee bit more tighter. But if you get a run from deeper, you maybe have a, you you feel that you have more more time for it. Do you think Galway are victims of the new format? Because I think of something like I suppose actually Throne's a good example in the sense that they're maybe the beneficiaries of this format because they get second chance after second chance, and when you've got the players they've got, eventually you're going to play into form, you know, and and, and tinker and get things right. But then you've Galway, who were getting things right pretty much all year, you know, all the through league final, 
provincial championship they won it they won two out of three of their group games you know 90-80% they were on top of things but because of all the games so many injuries started to pile up you know Sean Kelly he left the thing with a, a, his foot in a boot um, Timmy Comer had to come off injured they were just it, like it, it caught up with them I think it comes down to to the managers now trying to time the run and and you know I always you, you sort of look at Dublin and Kerry and you think right they're going through their championship their provincial championship they can time their run nearly because even if they're only playing seventy eighty percent they're they're still going to win the provincial championship nearly whereas in Connacht and, and Ulster like you you have to be on top you know you have Roscommon you have Mayo you have Galway you know Sligo they'll give you a game any day of the week uh, you know up in Ulster too there's so many teams that are so strong uh, so you have to be on 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 form but I think a lot of the lot of the the managers now are trying to build in where they're planning you, you, the strength and conditioning boys will be trying to get them topped up and to get them peaking at the right time and. You know, it's a long season, and especially in the county season, them boys are finished now. They're they're playing club football all the way through to November time, maybe, and then they're they're starting them back training with their county teams and that. And it's a long, long season, and I think it's important maybe to for managers even to think about putting in a wee break there and keep things fresh and keep keep lads, uh, you know, just topped up enough that come the business end of the championship that they that they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And then one of the players now who's maybe obviously didn't have the best game yesterday. Um, but no one really knew too much about a, a, an injury concern with Shane Walsh. He was doing things like he was taking free <coughs> kicks from central positions and he was taking them off his left. And people were like, why is he not taking them off his right? He's right-footed. But we know ourselves when he came on to the show last week and it's it's all credit to him that his foot was actually in a boot. They asked us not to make a fuss out of it. Don't mention it. Don't show it in the pictures of the camera. So he'd been nursing an injury, I think he told us, since the Tyrone game. Mm. Do you know, and just managing that the whole time and no one even knew that. So, I mean, there, there's more to it than just, you know, what we can see and players not performing. Yeah, sometimes you can be watching a lad and you're just, you're thinking, why is this lad not playing well? Like, he's so good and it's just not working for him. And you can start giving out about him. You're like, his head's not in the game. He doesn't look right. And then I suppose sometimes there is just stuff happening behind the scenes where there's there's something wrong with the lad. And when we met Shane last week, he walked across the road in the boot. And I, I was thinking, like, y- you didn't know there was anything wrong with this lad. Mm-hmm. And I suppose... Nobody really knew there was there was anything wrong. Um, I'm sure he's not going to make uh, like excuses about it. That you know, um, it, it wasn't his best performance. But uh, it just goes to show that there are lads can have small things wrong with them behind the scenes, and it can it can give you, I suppose, a bit of perspective when you're because a, a lot of people, whether you're supporters, we can nearly all be guilty of it. You can give out about intercounty players that they're not, um, you know, they're not performing, that they don't do it on a certain day, but I suppose there's, there's, there can be always um, certain things going on that you just don't know what's ha- what's happening with lads. So um, yeah, it just gives you a bit of perspective not to not to be given out the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so Galway are out, Mayo are through, Mayo are playing Dublin next. We'll 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 get into that another blockbuster of a match. But first of all, we've got the matter of Cork v Ross Common. Now this was the first game I think of the weekend, and I was watching it. I watched the first half hour of it, and I was like. Uh, it's not really, I'm not getting into this at all, like Ross Common's possession game. I can kind of get why they did it, because, you know, they're away from home, it quiet the crowd, but they sort of kept the ball for so long without doing much with it that when Cork finally got a run of things, they were straight back into the game, and then it really burst into life, Stevie, like it was a great game. 
it was, uh, you know, it's, it was a really exciting game and an exciting finish, you know, and, and the desperation shown on both teams is what you want from the championship. Uh, it was definitely a, a good game, some great scores and, and lots of lots of talking points from it. Uh, you know, the possession game, it's grand. Uh, I can understand about game management and things like that, but sometimes I think it nearly can put a referee against you nearly where you're mm-hmm. sitting holding the ball and the referee and the crowd get a wee bit on edge and, you know, even a half foul in, the referees are nearly going to say, ah, well, let it away, they're trying to be too smart with it nearly. Yeah. And I feel that you have to have a, a bit of cut and thrust as well whenever you're, you're, you are trying to manage the game. Well, I was I was going to mention it sort of at the, at the end of this review, but I'm, I might jump to it now on that point because it's a good point now. Um, Connor Daly, that sort of half throw weird thing that he did at the end. I don't know. He went to solo it instead, didn't bounce it, and then the referee blew it up and, and saying that he threw the ball. Could have been a consequence of them just handling the ball so much and popping it to each other <coughs> and being too nonchalant with it. It was because when Roscommon got that last ball, and it's a it's a draw game. Um, Kieran Murta was after leveling up. To get that ball, and you're kind of thinking, Cork are in bother here because Roscommon, they're the experts at this. They know what they're doing. Um, they'll be able to play this around. The clock was ticking. You're thinking, they'll be able to play this around now for the next... Do you know, they could even mm-hmm. take them two minutes before. And like they did against Dublin, it was six minutes that day. I was thinking, right, Roscommon, they're set up here now and they'll just work this. And, you know, they'll get either Enda Smith on the ball, who was on fire, yep. kicked some unbelievable scores. The two Martyrs were kicking scores. And it just looked set up for them. And then it was right beside Davy Burke and, and Connor Daly has the ball and like he's you know, he's one of their most reliable players. He's he's been there for years. Um and watching it I thought was it was it two hops that he did there? But it just looked so weird. He was after soloing the ball and I suppose as Stevie said, he was in that kind of uh that's the way Roscommon play, they kind of there's there's no rush in them. It's yeah. all really calm and there's some their terms. There's, it's on there and they're just you know, they're kind of tipping along. And I'd say he just completely lost focus for about a split second. He didn't know what he he just lost what was happening in the game, kind of thrown the ball up and then realizes, like, what am I doing here? I have yeah. to let this down. The ref pulls him. The funny thing is, if the ref didn't pull him, you'd probably be thinking, like, nothing would have been said about this yeah. because it was it wouldn't even made the, the show. Cork, the talking would, Cork would have probably shouted, there'd have been a shout from the crowd, and the Cork players might shout, but I don't think we'd have been talking about it. And when you look at the rule book, it's a very tough one to clear up because there's there's not too much um, written about because you don't see it too often. Um, and then Cork just got the free and, you know, they broke at pace as they had been doing all day, in fairness, a little bit similar. Their, their style is a little bit similar to Mayo in that the defenders bomb forward mm-hmm. and they're really fast, big, athletic. And it was Ian Maguire who has just been an unbelievable stalwart for, for many years. He, he made the break at the very end of the game to go forward with that pace and he set it up then for the sub Kevin O'Donovan who was fresh as a daisy I suppose and he popped it over yeah. um, Roscommon got another chance Cork nearly nearly butchered her coming out from, from the kick out down below but um, it was devastating for Roscommon because I'd say a minute to go in that game they're thinking we have this yeah no, no I, I mean I fully believe that uh, Roscommon would, would find a way to get over the line something Niall mentioned there was just how big and strong the Cork fellas were and that sort of reminds me like when you think of Cork 2010 that Cork team the, I don't think they'd be thrown in 2009 <coughs> yeah and um, they were just so powerful and everyone talked about how athletic they were it's just something in the genes or something um, they've definitely got that back and, that, and a real steeliness about them they have they have they're, 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 they're going to be a game for anyone and you know when you have big powerful men who can run 
they're going to cause serious bother. So they are, you know, and, and it's a good advantage for kickouts and things like that there, and even for lumping a few high balls in the odd time. So, listen, they, they were very, very impressive. They're, they're dogged, and, and, you know, they just have that, you know, that cork spirit about them, and, and it's, it's going to be a, t- a tough game for Derry this weekend. No, it definitely is. And, like, it's, how, how do you... How do you sum up Ross Commons' season then? You know, did they have a good season? Because it felt like they did throughout most of the year mm-hmm. and you would actually say Cork, even two weeks ago, you know, these two teams are in two different levels, they're in two different courses, but now Cork are further than them in the championship. You know, it's strange. It is strange. I think Roscommon had a good year. They, they maintained their Division 1 status. You know, they were very impressive in a lot of their games. You know, they had a great result in the game in the championship mm-hmm. in Castle Bar and, and tough conditions. And I think, you know, for Davy Burke and and uh, for Young McHugh that, that that they have you know potential there to to develop on and uh, I think they can take great heart on it you know and when you get to the knockout stage of the championship and you lose by a point it can go either way and it can down to that decision maybe a wee bit uh, which, which was was maybe harsh and whenever we're talking about it here now but. Uh, they can take great heart on it. They're, they're definitely a team developing, and if they can find a few more younger players to to, to bleed in next year, that they, they 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 should be able to build on that. Yeah, no, they've definitely got a great spirit because when when I found out Brian Hurley wasn't playing, I really I was like, well, that's probably it then. To be fair, because he's just such he's a talisman for them. Um, Stephen Sherlock got a start; he did brilliantly, and then I thought things were definitely going against him when he scored that point. And they give it wide. Obviously, there's no hockey um, outside of Crow Park, but it, you know they, they didn't let things that got annoy them or, or disparage them too much. No, they didn't, and they had a, they had a very slow start to the game. Um, Cork had done absolutely nothing really in in the first 25 minutes. Uh, Roscommon, with that kind of methodical style that they have, they were controlling the game, I suppose, as as they say. But Cork kind of just exploded into life just before half time. Um, with the two defenders and it was Aidan Walsh's brother I know he, when he was on the show here the earlier in the year he, he talked a lot about um, you know the preparation that he does with his younger brother uh, Tommy and he, he stepped up and actually had a brilliant game um, for Cork but himself and Matty Taylor got two huge scores and the home crowd got they were so excited and the place was lit up from, from half time they were roared off the field at half time then and I suppose the Cork team, they just got encouragement from that. And um, this is the first time since 2010 that they've beaten two Division One teams in, in, in a championship. And they've done it in successive weeks now. So um, it's it's great for them. And it was great scenes afterwards. And uh, they'll, they will be a tough, uh, tough match for, for Derry uh, next weekend. No, absolutely. Um, I always think it's, it's just good for football that Cork are strong just because of their catchment area and stuff. And... It's good for monster football, and then that helps progression with Kerry and things. And it's just the the landscape just looks a lot more healthy when when, when Cork are competitive. Uh, and the last game was Kildare versus Monaghan, uh, another Ulster team through Stevie Monaghan. Impressive. Mm. Yeah, listen, Monaghan are you know they're, they're such a dogged team, and and they've got so much out of that group of players that that, that they're still given, and they have a few young players now coming through as well. So. It's a big result for them. Uh, another closely fought game and, and a few talking points from it as well. But uh, you have to give credit to Monaghan. They keep coming, they keep coming and, and, and they're, they're continually in the last eight, this last, what, seven or eight years in the championship. So in a few years, they, they, they were very close to getting to the, the promised land of an Ireland final for them. So, so 
good performance, and and they'll they'll they'll, they'll give it their all, uh, and I'm, sh- I'm sure they'll be buoyed too with their their minor victory as well, getting the minor final there at the weekend too. So it's they're they're in the crest of a wave at the moment, I think. Yeah, things are really looking good for Monaghan. I think one of the very interesting moves that Vinnie Corey made was moving um, Connor McCarthy to halfback. Hmm. It's so strange because I just remember to me he sort of broke onto the scene as a scoring half forward. When he got that hat trick against Donegal, like really landed then, mm-hmm. and then he's sort of easier to nullify from the half forward position. So you move him to half back, where he's got the whole game in front of him, mm-hmm. and he kicks one too. Do you know? And he's been brilliant all season from from that position. Like, would they have had to move you into half back in the modern game, Steve? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> if they see me defend, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> but no, I, I, I feel Conor McCarthy. He, was, he always had this potential and a great burst of pace and great great feet. But I suppose if you look at Peter Hart there, you know, for years, whenever Tyrone was sort of transitioning through, you know, say it's from 2012 right through to, to, to 16, 17, yeah, you know, Peter was played in the forward lane and, and it wasn't his best position. Now, now that he's back and wing half back, he's playing so much good football his last three or four years. And I think, you know, Conor McCarthy's <coughs> probably benefited from that move as well, where he, he is freed up that wee bit more. He, he's coming onto the ball with, with that burst of pace that he has and he can drive through and, you know, he has the, the, the moves of a forward where he can he can jink with the ball and, and carry it at high pace. So he, he's definitely a, a big threat from on him now. No, he is. And I mean, leadership as well. Now, he stood up and we're going to talk about the controversy surrounding that last point. But the fact that like Monaghan looked like a lot of the players, they didn't want the ball. They didn't know what to do with the ball. When they finally got it to McCarthy, he was like, Jesus, that right, I'll do it. You know, and mm. took them on, stuck it over and drived his team over the line. I suppose his confidence was up after getting the goal early on. He finished that lovely. Mm-hmm. And he got an, an unbelievable point a few minutes um, earlier as well off the back foot, one that you don't really expect to go over when a lad is shooting like that. Um, it, it was during the Tyrone game, wasn't it, that he was he was moved to half back. Yeah, half time, half, I think. Halfway yeah. through the game. And... In the in the in the closing stage of that game, he he popped up, he got one or two points himself and set up a few others just bombing down the field, and Monaghan's half backs himself and Carlo Connell like, yeah. you know, you're not going to get. They're probably Monaghan's two best attacking threats right now. The way these boys have lightning pace, um, Carlo Connell is p- playing like he's 27, like he's yeah. the pace, the man, and I know he was a sprinter. Um, he must have got a bike when when he, when he was younger. He must have got a bike or something. Yeah, but he, he the two of them are just playing unbelievable stuff because Monaghan don't really have like when you've McCarran and at times McManus inside. They don't really have the movement inside that you're going to be kicking into the whole time. So it's 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 all based off running, and I suppose Darren Hughes does a bit of it too. But it comes back to McCarthy. Stephen O'Hanlon, I suppose, in the half forward, and he's very good, and he kind of he's so good on the ball and so good to break lines that he can set up um, yeah. McCarthy and O'Connell and send them flying through. Um, and the two lads are just uh, they're a joy to watch, really, with the speed they can cut through. Because you know the way when you're watching uh, Roscommon and they're dithering and they're kind of waiting yeah. a bit outside, it's just tough to watch. And it's not even criticizing Roscommon, but I love watching Carl O'Connell and Conor McCarthy just going straight for the juggler, and that yeah. was what McCarthy did. Um, for that last point where he just went straight down the middle and cut it off the outside of the boot. Absolutely lovely. Mm-hmm. No, And then there's the argument too that that point maybe shouldn't have stood. Um, and it was it Sean Jones had the ball? Sean Jones got the, well, called for the mark. Yeah, he called for a mark. Mark wasn't awarded, but he was standing there with his hand up for two, three seconds. And then he's like, uh-oh. And then he continued to play on. Definitely over four seconds, four steps, whatever you, way you want to call it. Ball got to Conor McCarthy, went over the, the bar. Glenn Ryan livid says afterwards that the referee was completely out of his depth 
there have been they've been very critical of him actually the whole match because you know, he was meant to have been a, a poor performance for both teams. And then you know we talked earlier about the decision with Connor Daly and the Ross Common. Are referees struggling with the modern game? You know, are, are they being left out to dry? Are they just not up to the standard? It's you can everybody can make a mistake. Um, it's not to hang out referees or anything. They're they're trying their best and and. I, I do feel, you know, that you, you hear Peter Canavan, these men on RT and that chatting about now getting uh, refs made up. I, I'm all for that. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. And I think, you know, it'll stop the crying and whinging from players at referees. And it'll let, it'll let the, the general public know the type of pressures that the, the players and the referees are under. Uh, I think it'll improve the language as well because nobody obviously wants to be on national TV shouting and roaring abuse. Yeah. And, and I think... Whenever the, the, you know referees are trained up on explaining the rules, why you're giving decisions, suddenly that's fair enough. Then if I held my hand in there too long, I'm going to do a better job in my defensive work the next time. And I, I feel referees should be mic'd up so that everybody knows exactly what's going on. If they make a mistake, it's the same as a player. You know, you, you, you get on with it and you, you, you play on. I feel the mark, the inside mark. I don't mind the midfield mark. Uh, I, I feel the inside mark is a, a, a terrible rule. I feel it, it slows the game up. It stops the stuff that you want to see. It stops. You know, one of our good balls been put on there forward, and you want to see him taking on his man and, and trying to swing a point. You know, this handy mark going up and getting a free kick at it. I don't want to go and watch games decided on free kicks. I want to go and see real good players having a cut at, at, at their defender. Uh, it takes away too from the defensive point of view, where, where you know where a forward's taking a man on and the defender maybe does, takes away that chance of getting a diving block or a brilliant tackle. And I, I just feel the, the inside mark. It's it's not it's not productive for Gaelic football. I think yeah. I think it's more you know your Aussie rules stuff. And I think we've lost enough players to the Aussie rules without encouraging it in our own game. Well, well the mark from the forty five, like that one, Sean Jones was going for. That was a seven meter pass. It's it. Yeah. And he's standing. It was even a, a bit of a mad decision to try and take the mark from there. But those ones are are, are terrible altogether. Where it's yeah. just a, a free kick. But but you're not a fan of even the inside one, like and the full forward line either. No, no definitely not. And you know, I, I just feel that you know, big Tierney got one, and and again mm-hmm. Galway, and and he had a chance of goal. You know, have a swing at it and have a cut and, and see what comes of it. You know, instead of just taking a, a fourteen yard free kick. I, I just feel that you know. Are you are you going to pay your money to go and watch a game and watch players having a fourteen yard free kick? No, you 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 want to see a man taking a man on and and driving past them and and trying to finish it. And I I just I just don't think it's it's it slows the game up and I, it's just not for it, me. It would change the mindset of forwards as well coming into it. Like you, I've even seen Conor Callahan at times, and you see him win a ball inside, and you're just dying to see this guy take someone on, and then it's take the mark. Especially somebody like him who is so explosive and hard to handle. You know, it's whenever he takes that mark, I'd say the Dublin supporters are frustrated because he he's he's one of the best man, men at taking taking somebody on and, and and having a cut a goal. Like he's just a goal machine. Like he's he's your 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 typical man who's that ice coldness about him, and and he'll sell the goalkeeper the dummy or give him the eyes, and it doesn't matter how many men are on him. Mm-hmm. So for me. Inside Mark, I don't think it's working. Uh, I would love to see it get rid of and, and just go back to the old way. And I don't, I don't even think there's many teams using it or coaching it. And if they are, it's it's not the top teams that I see using it anyway. You know, yeah. Gary's going to be they're they're going to be swinging it on the good ball bouncing on front of David Clifford at the weekend. And you know, I just feel it's a, a cop out. Yeah, you can sort of feel Clifford doesn't even really try to take too much advantage of it. I suppose he did in the All Ireland final on some occasions. 
but only when he was already jumping to win a ball and he knew he was going to end up on the ground mm -hmm. where he wouldn't have a running start but he knew if he catches the ball landing on his feet he's going because mm -hmm. he, he you know i'm sure he backs himself to beat anyone yeah and, and uh, to me that's a way out you know if a, if a defend defensive team are defending well and they get two or three men you know the balls that played on david clifford and he catches it and the defensive team get two or three men around him that's good defensive play you have mm -hmm. to give him credit for that so it's up to david clifford then to get it chipped out and bring maybe a runner on the play or something else so no, I, I, I don't I don't like the inside mark, and uh, I would love to see it got rid of. Yeah, no, it's, like you said, and it's, there's so many rules for the referees to try and follow and to keep up with, and they're forever changing and trying to keep up all the lines. I mean, I think an extra referee would nearly probably do if you give them a zone each or something. I, I think that it's a simple game, way overcomplicated. Just keep it nice and simple, and... and you know, this chopping and changing rules, I don't think there's another sport in the world that, that changes its rules every two or three years so much as Gaelic football. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I can't understand why, because I think the game's so healthy. I think the skill levels are good. The, the whole tactical thing now with goalkeepers and cakeouts and, and, and players coming out and keeper sweepers, I love all that. And, and I think it, you know, it, it's an attractive game so without without chopping and changing rules. That, that's interesting, because I, I don't know, I, you're a sharpshooter, obviously, like a flair player, people would see you as. So I think... People would assume that you're a purist and a traditionalist in that, you know, it's 15-15. We want to see loads of kicking, kicking the ball in, but you don't mind the other elements of the game as well. That, you know, where they're footballers and not just, you're not just a forward, you're a footballer. you got to track back, you got to do all that as well. And the defenders chip in with scores as well. I know, I, I, I definitely agree on that. I think everybody should be a good kicker of the ball. Um, you know, when you look at the, the, the drone team or the carry team, you look at all those defenders that play for those teams, them men are all comf comfortable kicking the ball 25, 30 yards and, and they'll play. It, it's up to the defenders and, and the half forwards, the midfielders, half backs to play those good balls into their inside lane. And, and I think all those top teams have the, 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 the tools to do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, just moving on quickly to the draw, I'm not going to talk anymore about Tyrone v Kerry because I'll just lose the run of myself. Um, Mayo v Dublin it's obviously the big one a huge one even um, I mean do you think Mayo are actually at an advantage I know they've got the extra game and stuff but you can't say they're definitely not going to come into this game cold definitely not this is a it's a massive massive game um, looking forward to this one too so I'm uh, you know you just don't know what Mayo's going to bring on the day uh, you know but you know them, them in Dublin it just brings the best out of each other I feel Dublin, whoever beats Dublin this year will win the Ireland. I think Conor Callan, you know, not having him against Kerry last year was a massive blow because he is just the cutting edge for, you know, just he he is the razor blade that cuts through teams and, and he's a massive loss to, to, to that Dublin team. So I feel that he's back, he's on form. I feel they have so many strong players around him. You know, I think Brian Fenton's just the best midfielder in the country. He's just a joy to watch the way he passes the ball and, and if you if you look at every every pass is forward and, and I um I think this is gonna be a real big test and I think Mayo will after getting a, a big one over their, their rivals will really put it up to Dublin. Mm -hmm. And then Derry v Cork is the other draw. Uh, Derry are obviously going to go into this game favourites and deservedly so, you know, they've been fantastic all season. Players like Shane McGuigan, their outrageous, you know, system of play where everyone gets forward, Orrin Lynch gets involved in scores. They're a handful and I, I, I think they'll really do something this year, but as you mentioned earlier, Cork are more than capable of causing an upset. They definitely are and, and I suppose they'll, they'll have to come up with what to do with Orrin Lynch, you know, because he's obviously kicking a few points and, and he's... he's Probably one of the most improved players. You know, you consider him last year against Galway in that semi-final where you know he, he coughed up a couple of easy chances and he took shots that weren't on and things like that. He has really improved and and he's been a big advantage to Derry attacking wise as well. So 
I think it's a big game. Um, Derry have been the form team probably throughout the whole season as well. So you know, are they are they coming now? Maybe where they're maybe tiring off a wee bit. I don't know, but it'll be, it's an interesting game how how both teams will, will set up and how how both teams will perform. You know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and then just lastly, Armagh v Monaghan, which is sort of a strange draw in the sense that they'll probably both be delighted with it. <laughs> you know, but out of all the draws they could get, like that's another Ulster uh, game. They're familiar with each other. Well, like if you look at the four big teams, the four big names, yeah, you, 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 your Mayo and Dublin, Kerry, Tyrone. You know, the other four teams will probably be happy enough with, with what they've got. And <laughs> Armagh, Monaghan, and Ulster Derby. You know, if if you were told any of them two teams that they were playing each other yet in the semi final, they would have snapped your arm off nearly yeah. at the start of the year. So, it, it's it's a massive prize at the end of that game, and there'll be no love lost between any of them two counties. And uh, it's you know it's going to be a real uh, tough battle, and uh, it'll be interesting to see who who can, who can come out on top. Uh, Armagh after their their impressive one against Galway will be. I think a wee bit maybe ahead, and I think maybe Monaghan just maybe may tire a wee bit. But listen, it's. It's all there to play for. Yeah, um, we'll just quickly run up the, the Talchian Cup. Mead beat Antrim in, in, in what was a good game. Antrim put a, a good quarter themselves. Down scored a ridiculous eight goals against Leash. Um, Liam Kerr scored a hat-trick. Have you ever got a hat-trick before? Never. Never? Not even club or no. nothing? There you go. Liam Kerr, he'll be on the show next, hopefully. Um, thank you very much, Stevie, for joining us. Um, we'll be back soon with Niall McIntyre and the Hurling. Welcome back. It's time to get stuck into the hurling. Although I've got a dejected Nile with me here, not exactly the result you wanted between Galway and Tipperary. You were at the game. I was Lee. Um, I went down to the Gaelic grounds on on Saturday, full of hope and uh, full of expectation for Tipperary, and uh, I don't think it was without reason. Um, they had had, uh, you know, a, a decent championship campaign. Played well against Limerick. Played well against Cork, and yet. You were hoping that that Waterford game was just a blip, but as it turned out, it, it was the blip that that has cost Tipperary um, their season really because the same the same I suppose flaws. And you were thinking that day that it might have been just a mindset thing um, with Tipperary that they were as good as true anyway. Um, you were thinking it was a mindset thing that they'd be able to switch this on now for Galway, uh, local rivals, um, a huge rivalry there. But it, it was the same again. Um, you have to give a lot of credit to Galway on that. And Henry talked after the game. He talked about Galway's um, Galway's intention to, to turn this into a bit of a battle. And that was what they did. Um, as a Tipperary person, I, I was frustrated at, at Tipperary um, from the back that they were hitting long balls in on, on top of the forwards that who aren't really great fans of, of these long balls. And long balls that you just seeing them coming down you just never thought that Mark Yo, um Seamus Callan and Jake Morris that they, they're not fans but didn't think they were going to win them and the Galway defenders gobbled them up um, the Galway defenders all of them were, were, were on top Jack Grealish Gerald McInerney um, a great survivor that Galway team you always think he's under pressure but he just always survives uh, Darren Morrissey was brilliant Dahi Burke uh, as good as ever um, and I suppose that was where the game was won for Galway. Cahill Mannion was sweeping, and uh, he's just a, an incredible hurler. And when, like, when he's sweeping and he has that amount of space, it's just unbelievable the things he can do. He put one pass into Joseph Cooney's hand from from the far side of the field. It was just unbelievable, really. Um, at the same time, Galway 
how they didn't win this game by 10 or 12 points, I don't really know. Um, Conor Whelan missed goal chances that he would never miss in the first half. And Galway could have been out of sight at half time. They could have even been out of sight in the second half because Tipperary just never, ever um, got going. So um, definitely very disappointing for, for Tipperary to for it to finish up like this. And um, I suppose Galway, they're... It, uh, as Tipperary people were kind of saying, you know, Galway haven't changed much since that team that won the All Ireland. They haven't that many young lads in, but it was it was the likes of Jack Grealish, Darren Mo- Darren Morrissey stepped up, and Tom Monaghan. Um, I know Conor Whelan got man of the match, and mm-hmm. and he was brilliant, but it's not often a sub gets man of the match. But Tom Monaghan could easily have got it because he did not put a foot wrong and scored three huge points down the stretch. Um, to win it for Galway and you just have to praise them they deserve their win as hard as it is uh, to, to say it yeah and, and you have to praise Conor Whelan the, the one trick pony he, is that too much two man of the matches in a row two. maybe that's the one trick he <coughs> wins yeah. man of the matches yeah it's a good trick uh, two <laughs> man of the matches in a row um like Conor Whelan, he he was unbelievable today against Kilkenny. I don't think he hit the same standard it was just how open um Tipperary were and mm. Carl Barrett was isolated on him at times. Michael Breen was isolated on him and they just weren't able for him. Conor Whelan could have had two more goals. Shelley made a good save from him. He dropped another one, uh, scored the third one. Um, but yeah, uh, Whelan deadly. Um, Tom Onan came on, w- was very good. Um, and they were the the two main men, Joseph Cooney, Carl Mannion were very good as well. Park Mannion, after his heartbreak in that Leinster final, he he was he was good as well. So um, a deserved win for Galway, and they're heading on to the semi final, a repeat of last year's semi finals, Galway against Limerick. Um, and Galway will be will be full of this was a huge win. It was a huge win for Henry Shefflin because if they'd lost. Do you know, you'd have been kind of thinking, are Galway going anywhere? Like, are, are Especially actually, after the way they lost the final. The way they lost the final. And Henry said it, like, they were, you know, they were devastated. And obviously they were devastated after that, the way it happened. But they picked themselves up. Um, they picked themselves up well. And, you know, they they were 100% deserving of their win. And they just seem to have a... They have an Indian sign over, over Tipperary at the minute. And... Um, Tipperary just they, they'll be they'll be devastated because they never showed up. I, I looked out at the field um, straight after the final whistle, and Liam Cahill was just making a beeline down the tunnel, um, like a man that was you know he was raging, and I'd say he didn't know what went wrong. No, absolutely. And then another team that had to come back from disappointment was Clare, uh, lost the monster final to Limerick in, in very dramatic circumstances. Although that seems like common practice <coughs> now, uh, especially with them, but they they bounced back against Dublin. They did, and I suppose it was similar enough to last year. Um, having lost the Munster final, Clare went in last year, and they were they scraped over Wexford really in in, in this the quarter final. And I suppose you know they've been forewarned this time that we we have to lift it again, and we can't be too down about this Limerick game. I know last year was probably more heartbreaking that it went all the way to extra time, and more physically taxing as well. That that game was was unbelievable um, last year, but um, no, Clare were they were brilliant and they weren't. Um, they did a, a little bit of a slow start. Like Dublin were leading after nineteen minutes, and Dublin Dublin looked lively 
Um, Paul Crummy was going very well inside. Keno Sullivan was lightning inside. And Danny Sutcliffe, I think he could be one of the best ball winners in, in hurling um, at the minute. And um, it was it was obviously very disappointing for Clare to lose John Conlon. He got an awful blow for concussion and there was a lot of worry about him when, when he lay down flat on his back. But it was one of the most unbelievable catches you'd ever see that actually knocked him down uh, from, from Danny Sutcliffe. He does this thing where he goes up um, and catches with his opposite hand with the right hand and he just switches her, uh, hold, holding hands of the hurl as he's going up in the air, which is, is an unbelievable skill. And he's, he's one of the best at it. But... Dublin, they, they were trying to play the the right way. They were trying to work the ball up the field the way Michal who would have would have um, often done it with with Galway um, when he was there. But they just they fumbled it too much and they lost the too many balls broke down for them, and it ended up in an eighteen point defeat. And like the game was, it was over really at halftime when Clare got those two quick goals. Um, like there were certain positive signs for Dublin, and like you have to mention the injury to Donald Burke. He came into the game as a, as an injury doubt with the the hamstring. Um, the last day, I know he wasn't hundred percent against Carlo, and he was gone after two two after five minutes here, which is you know it's a killer blow to mm-hmm. lose your key man, um, like that. So you know it just it it. As 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 weird as it sounds, while it was an eighteen point defeat, there were certain positive signs for Dublin, and you you have to remember as well that they're missing Keno Callahan, they're missing Chris Crummy, missing Ryan McBride, key players from the team um, from last year. So, um, but uh, on the other hand, Clare were absolutely deadly, and while they were, we mentioned last year, they were a little bit um, off the pace, and they never picked that up. And Kilkenny punished them in that semi final last year. Clare were a different team here um, on Saturday. Mark Rogers, he exemplified it, scored uh, one eleven, uh, most of it from play. Tony Kelly on fire. Um, I probably would have given the man of the match to Rogers because I thought his his scores were nearly more exceptional himself, and that he he carved them out himself. Um, but David Sherrill, brilliant as well. And Clare, they'll go into this. They know what happened last year against Kilkenny. And they'll go in this year, and you know they'll be they'll be so fired up after getting hammered by Kilkenny last year, and it should set up two um, good All Ireland semi finals, and it's the same parents again. So you have to give credit to those four teams; they're the best in the land right now. No, absolutely, and Clare do seem like they're going to be in a better, they're better place to attack this All Ireland than they were last year. Um, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Nal, for giving us the lay of the land in the world of hurling. Thank you, Stevie O'Neill, for coming into studios. And thank you to our friend, Sure, 72-hour protection. And we'll catch you next week. You've been listening to the GAA Hour, brought to you by Sports Joe and Sure, 72-hour non-stop protection, tested to the limits. Sure, it won't let you down. love our pets but when the floor is covered in fur that's harder to love eufy x10 pro omni robot vacuum has powerful 8000 pa suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass plus the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance want to know more go to eufy.com that's eufy.com and discover x10 pro omni the best in class all-in-one robot vacuum for only 799 dollars 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching. Fashion trends. Pep talks where we give advice. Mental health moments. And games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> <laughs> 